I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. They have seen literally millions of dollars in, in improvements from having this. So it's kind of like, yeah, we we have like not doing it is 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 foolish. I think we're now at a point where things are mature enough and stable enough um, to where these marketing projects can now start to become real things. Thank you for, you know, for the for the check. Um, <laughs> we are excited to be here, uh, but none of this stuff works uh, because of the Apple um, changes. And, and their response to me was, "That's fine. Just just figure it out. Like let's let's do food, do whatever works." Let's make this customer. Let's make this customer work. You know, like do, let's do what it takes. And I said, well, I know how to do that, um, but it's Bluetooth. It's not Wi-Fi. And you know, you guys, we don't do Bluetooth right now at Aruba. Um, They're like, well, make it happen, right? Not only did it work, but it, like worked really, really well. And it took us like minutes to set up. Like it was so easy to set up, and it worked incredibly well. And we were like, okay, this is like clearly the future. Like. You're listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beco System with Steve Stackler. Welcome to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beco System. My name is Steve Statler of Statler Consulting. We are bringing this to you in partnership with our friends at Proxbook. And this week, I'm going to be interviewing Kyo Kubo, who is the guy that bought beacons to one of the biggest computer companies in the world, HP Enterprise. Kyo is the director of the Meridian Group within Aruba, which is an HP Enterprise company. And of course, HP are one of the founders of Silicon Valley, a $34 billion market cap behemoth. So uh, really excited to talk to Kyo and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the founding story, how they, how he got into Beacons, how that ended up as part of HP, the products, the customers. Uh, Kyo is actually the guy that got HP into the Beacon business. Is that for, so? Welcome to the show. And is that a fair description of what you did? You know, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we were um, we were a startup Meridian. Um, we we started the company because we believed um, in the late 90s that mobile phones were going to be, uh, or mobile devices were going to be a, a way that people interacted with the world. Um, and so we started a company to make that um, easy for, 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 for people to, to do um, within their own venues. And um, we were about 10 years, I would say, early. Um, and so we started this company that was doing, well, in order to keep the lights on we basically did consulting um so if somebody wanted a mobile something a mobile application um they would come to us uh because we were one of a rare group of people who are were, were working on mobile applications um before the iphone um and then when the iphone came out it was like it was it was like uh, i think in la and everyone has a screenplay everyone's working on a screenplay it's like um you know everyone's working on an app right um and everyone Everyone who would find out that I made applications, mobile applications, would would tell me about their app that they wanted me to make. Um, and so we, we started doing um, uh, iPhone stuff, and 
when um, we, we started working on a, a particular project at the American Museum of Natural History, and that space is uh, enormous. It's um, it's it's enormous and it's very confusing. It's it's uh, I think it's 26 buildings built over like 150 years, all sort of crammed together, and so uh, it's very easy to get lost inside of it. And they wanted to have a basically a, a navigation app um, for the for the building, and we started on the project in, I think it was 2006, it was before the iPhone actually, and we were working on it um, on, on, a, on um, uh, Windows mobile devices, uh, and then we switched over to, to iOS devices. And the interesting thing about iOS devices was, was that you couldn't do location the way that we had always done it historically, um, and that was to basically scan for Wi-Fi access points and then triangulate your location. Um, on iOS, you you couldn't do signal scans, so we um, we kind of flipped it on its head, and we had the device probe a lot, and then the network would hear all those probes, and then the network would be able to calculate the location of the device, and that worked out um, that worked out really well um, for a couple of years, and then um, so you're using this basically cell tower triangulation? Or? No, it was it was network as in like Wi-Fi. Oh, right. network. So okay. the device would, would do a probe request for Wi-Fi access points around it. And the, the beauty of a probe request is that it's like all channels, um, which means that you have all the access points that are near you are typically on different channels. And so then it, it um, will figure out where the device is uh, based on all the access points, hearing the probe at different RSSI values, and then the network calculating the locations of all those devices. So it's kind of a complicated, long sort of path, right? You, you had your device sitting on a probe, all the access points would hear it, they would take all that data, send it up to a cloud server, and it would just basically sit there. And then the device would say, okay, my MAC address is AB12CD34, and it would say, hey, network, where is AB12CD34? And the network would say, oh, I know where that is, it's right here, and then would send it back to the device, and then we could put your dot on a map. Basically. So you had software talking to each of the access points. So did you have actually software that was on the access points that was looking for your phone? No, the, the, the phone the phone portion of it was literally just the standard probe request, just a regular old probe request, right? So my, my phone does a probe request like it does whenever I go anywhere regularly. We were just able to get it to probe more often. So okay. that, that's what our software would do. It would cause it to probe a lot. And then the... Um, the network would hear that and then calculate the location on its own. And at the time, we were using a product from um, Cisco called the Mobility Services Engine, or the MSE. Uh-huh. So that's a completely, that's a network appliance that is, like, I don't know anything about it. I don't care anything about it. It just, I just wanted to calculate location. And they basically, what we, what we observed was that with normal probing behavior, um, location was calculated very, very sparsely. So we sort of excited that it causes pro more often. And what we noticed was that that, that appliance would calculate more locations. Um, so that's what we did on the handset side. And then we worked with the team at Cisco to enable us to have access basically to that um, and request our location based on our MAC address. So that's what we did. Um, this was basically 2007, or actually 2008, um, through 2000 and uh, I would say 2013. That was sort of the state of the art. I mean, that was we were that's how we were doing it, and um, there weren't honestly a lot of people doing this. It was kind of a kind of a roundabout thing, and, and it just wasn't. It was difficult, I will say, um, and, and honestly, it was hard to set up. Um, it was um, you know there's some security real legitimate security concerns right because now you're talking to this server that's in your infrastructure that has um, the locations of every device and to make that available to the public is a little bit scary um, so it was kind of a it was a lot of work um, the end result as a user you walk in and you open up your map and you see your blue dot and you walk around and blue dot would follow you and it was nah, this is great right um, but it was um, it, it was it was a lot of I would say a lot of work, um, and as time went on, it became more and more work. Um, for example, the security things. We there are certain customers whose that kind of security is is pretty legitimate um, and and important. So having a system where you're talking with the back end becomes becomes really problematic. So we we ended up building a proxy server that would have dedicated access only to one basically API, and so now now my device I'm talking 
or a proxy, which would then talk to the server. And then you started seeing more things happening where um, you know the device basically didn't respond to our probing um, activity, or um, we couldn't get uh, the MAC address from the device anymore. Um, it just it like it was very cascading. The more it became more and more and more difficult to do. To so do these things. are the changes that Apple made to obfuscate the MAC address. That's one of the yeah that yeah. Made. I mean they they, um, they 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 removed our access to the MAC address altogether. Um, and it wasn't you know it, <laughs> we weren't big or important. Um, it was it was really that people were using the MAC address as a um, as a as a basically as a, as a proxy for a unique identifier of a device. Um, so you'd be able to track people across applications and do advertising and so on and so forth. And the user wouldn't be able to, to control that. Um, so they limited access to the MAC address. Um, they basically stopped responding to our um, requests to, to probe more often. Um, they themselves just stopped probing um, uh, very often. Um, and, and all other decisions are, are good decisions, honestly. Um, you know, probing takes a lot of battery life, right? Um, being able to track a device um, is, is a security issue. Um, uh, so there, there were, there's a lot of changes that they made. Um, you know, the MAC address thing is a security issue. It's something they want the users to control whether or not they're part of the, of the process, right? They don't want users to just be sort of blindly tracked by whoever wants to track it. And just to kind of recap where we are in the story, so you'd start off, started off with a consulting business and then you kind of pivoted to, to a Meridian, which mm -hmm. was, you were the CEO of Meridian, and Meridian was a company that provided tool, rather than you writing every application, you provided a framework, a development environment uh, where people could very simply create apps uh, mm -hmm. and, and it just so happened that indoor location was kind of one of your unique selling points. Is that? Yeah, we, we sort of had this belief. I, when we, our very, very first thing that we did was that um, we were in the uh, human computer interaction lab um, designing basically user experience on laptops. Mm -hmm. um, and Cornell um, had, had, what I believe is the largest wireless network had had at the time. This was in the late '90s. The largest wireless network ever built. Um, the entire entire campus had, had wireless. Um, and one of the benefits of of working on this project was that they gave you a laptop, right? And so I was like, ah, this is great. I'm in. Um, so I had this this Dell laptop and this giant Aeronet card that you slotted into the side, and um, and the device was now a wireless laptop. And 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 it was sort of like, okay, well. What does that mean to have a computer that is always on the internet? Um, and, and, and as a user, what does that what does that mean? And we kind of were interested in it um, a little bit more. Like, well, listen, let's just assume that these are going to get more and more mobile. Um, what what does that what does that mean for for users? And so we we really at the very beginning of the foundation of the company, we were thinking about users in places with with computing devices, basically. Um, the first thing that we actually built was a laptop-based um, application where we realized that you connected to the Wi-Fi um, and you could you know, have internet, but what we figured out was that you could also figure out where you were. Mm -hmm. So if you opened up your laptop and you were at um, Willard Strait, the, the, the dining hall, um, we would know that you were in that dining hall when you opened up your laptop. Mm -hmm. So we could give you all the information about that dining hall. Um, and we also thought it was important that people should be able to, to sort of check in basically at those places. So we created this whole concept of people checking in at places and reviewing and commenting on those places. Um, I would say that the place where we most, where we failed the most, like with that concept, um, cause that now concept is obviously everywhere now, um, is that we, we required you to be a part of the system in order to, into in order to feed into it, right? So you had to actually go to that place and open up your laptop and type in whatever your comment was for that place. Um, you look at something like like Yelp, like anyone just opens up, they rate whatever they want to, and yeah. obviously it's a much larger community. But it was uh, uh, ahead of its time, and and just to because I want to, there's a lot of really good stuff that I didn't know about that you're talking about. 
But so you were at uh, this. Your journey started at Cornell. Uh, mm. f- figured a way of getting a free laptop. You were doing a computer science degree and an economics degree at the same yeah. time. I come from England, where you have to well generally do one. But you got two degrees. Most well, um, people do one. I, I I did two undergraduate degrees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so achiever, you you left. You created a software company, a consulting company, and then you created a software company that you sold to Aruba. That's uh, right, yeah. And so, uh, and then Aruba got bought by HP, and mm-hmm. so you're now in HP. But tell us a little bit about, so what was it that Aruba saw that they liked, uh, and why did they buy you, and how did you get them to buy you? Uh, just pure charisma, I think. <laughs> that, <laughs> I, I, that goes without saying. But. <laughs> well, so what had happened, um, so we were very closely, um, we were working very closely with Cisco because um, they had this mobility services engine product that worked um, yeah, pretty well uh, until Apple started sort of putting the, the clamps on it. Um, and they actually reached out to us. What what happened was um, we, we sort of started talking to them um, about becoming more closely integrated with them. And uh, one of the people from Aruba reached out to us because they had started running into customers who were asking them if they integrated with Meridian. And they were like, what is what is Meridian? Um, and so they reached out to us and said, what, you know, they, they looked at what we were doing. And, and they had a really strong um, vision for not using so you know they had historically been um, what what Dom always says they've always they were always the plumbing right and they wanted to not just be the plumbing but also be the you know the the, 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 the kitchen designer right they wanted to, to create the countertops and everything and um, so when they came and talked to us it was um, it was it was just like we do this right now um, we un- we know that there's lots of interesting in- in- interesting things happening within the network um, how can we how can we how can we do more basically with the network, um, and and so their vision uh, was quite um, compelling, and it was it was our same vision basically. Um, so, you know, in order to to be able to execute our vision at scale, I guess, um, and and with a really tight bond uh, with the because you know the location is the network information, the stuff that's on the network and controlling the network. Um, is 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 a lot of the the meat like that's where things can get really interesting um like we make applications right now where you can um you know we can get turn by turn navigation anywhere you want to you want to go but if you just have like give me directions to room 102 c or whatever that's not that compelling compared to you know take me to endocrinology and just just it, like when you the more data you put with it and the more um, power you give to the application, the more the more interesting the whole thing becomes. So, with the network, you know, to be to be able to to, to you know auto log you onto the network, for example, just by having the application, or to be able to tell the network to give me differentiated access, or to be able to tell the network um, or ask the network for for something, you know, um, based on you know um, number of people in a particular area, all that stuff, the 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 joint the the two coming together allowed us to do a lot more of the stuff that we wanted to do. Um, and, and, you know, it was almost like they were, they, they were thinking about it, um, more from the network side than the, the user side. Um, but they were thinking about the same things that we were thinking about. Um, so it was pretty exciting to, to be able to, um, sort of, I guess, work with people who, who saw, I guess, the same vision that, that we saw. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they wanted to get in the solution space. They didn't want to just be a vanilla infrastructure company. Yeah. So they saw what you were doing, and you were providing a more of the complete solution. And so you could take this kind of vanilla uh, set of signals and coordinates and turn it into something that was was compelling. And my understanding is, when they decided to buy you, there were no Bluetooth beacons involved. Uh, this that's right. Was, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's one of the sort of, I think it speaks to, um, you know, Dom and, and Kirti. Um, the, Kirti is the, the co-founder and Dom, obviously, the, the CEO of, 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 um, of Aruba. Um, you know, they, they acquired us in the deal closed uh, in May of 2013. And at the time, the, the, 
the model was, look, we're going to, Aruba's working on this product called Ale. It's basically Aruba's version of the MSE, right? It's a network appliance that calculates location. And Meridian will come in and we'll sort of plug into Ale and then we'll be able to provide this solution. We'll keep working with Cisco. Everything will continue to be supported. And that's, that's sort of the Aruba way, right? Just make it work, whatever's, whatever needs the customer needs. Um, but we would slot into to Ale. And um, so deal closes in May. And then in June, Apple um, had their developer conference and a lot of stuff changed, right? Um, access to the MAC address, um, I think, went away at that particular developer conference. Um, the probe requests uh, dropped dramatically. Um, so a lot of things changed, like two weeks, right? Three weeks after we, <laughs> we came in board, on board. Um, and we had a, uh, myself and my co-founder, Nick uh, Farina, had a number of conversations about this. And, and we, you know, we, we knew we could make it work on the Wi-Fi. We knew that would work. Um, it was it was complicated and it was um, you know it, it, it was kludgy, but we could definitely make it work. Um, but it felt like there was a better way, and so we started looking at um, we started looking at Bluetooth specifically. Um, and and I, I believe that that conference was also the conference that they announced iBeacon. Um, which was in 2013. 2013, yeah, the yeah. worldwide developer conference. That's when the, the Craig, uh, uh, the, the head of uh, software develop, um, operating system development, had iBeacon on the slide in the keynote. Yeah, yeah. So that that was. So we looked at that and thought, okay, this is interesting because it basically is what we were doing before iPhone with. Uh, you know, with Wi-Fi, we could do a signal scan on the device. We could hear everything, and we could calculate location, um, and we could scan like as much as we wanted to. I mean, every second, and so we could actually calculate location more, um, more regularly. Yeah. And so we started doing a deployment at uh, the Levi Stadium, and we started the deployment with with, with Wi-Fi based location, and um, you know, right in front of the customer. So this know, is for the Super Bowl, just to add a. Was it? Well, it wasn't for this. Was not the Super Bowl. This was their. They were opening Levi Stadium in the in the twenty. I think it was twenty fourteen. I think was the first. They were they were opening Levi Stadium. Right, it was didn't exist. Right, so it was, it was under construction, and they they asked they they basically bought our services to provide location in their app. Right. Um, you know, and, and so we started working on that, and it was like evident that it basically wasn't going to work with Wi Fi. Okay, and so a little bit of context for people that that, that are not American, because uh, this is kind of a global industry. So Levi Stadium, that's like Santa Clara, right? And it's it's a big stadium. I don't know how many people it, but it's the yeah. 49ers. So this is a tier one, huge stadium. Yes. Probably was this in your deck as you were kind of selling the company? It's like, no, this wasn't. A, this wasn't our. This was not our customer. Oh, okay. So you just you just come on board. They've paid you. They've just written the check for. How many million dollars was it for the company? Many millions. I don't know. I, I don't know. It was expensive, right? Yeah. Uh. Tens of millions of dollars have been spent on your company, and they have this prize customer that uh, you've got to deliver on, and you're kind of realizing that actually this is going to be a bit of a nightmare. Well, it didn't fundamentally it didn't really work, right? So we we the, the customer was uh, Aruba's customer. They, Aruba had yeah. had um, come in to do the Wi-Fi, and Aruba had come up with a really unique. Um, underseat design uh, to provide really high quality Wi-Fi to every basically every person in the stadium, and their vision was stadium experience. Like they wanted to make it a, a stadium that was, I mean, it was basically all the things that I had in my mind in the late '90s, where it was like this mobile device is how you're going to interact with the world, and they had that they had that same vision, and they wanted to um, they wanted to to make it such that a person would come into the stadium and the app would know where they were and give them directions anywhere and they could click a button and food would show up in their seat. And, you know, like it was just sort of this experience that was complete end to end um, and, and very, very, um, you know, technology driven. Right. Uh, and so they, they, they bought a bunch of Meridian stuff, um, access points and, uh, you know, all of our, all of our, you know, whole kit um, from from Aruba access points controllers, the whole nine yards, and then they bought a bunch of Meridian stuff in order to power their app, right? Uh, and they built this really fantastic app, but it required location to do a lot of things that it wanted to do. Um, so they bought the Meridian stuff to 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 enable that, and 
and yeah, they, it basically just didn't work um, because of the configuration of the bowl and a bunch of stuff. The, I mean, honestly, the unique Wi-Fi design is fantastic for data, but it's not great for location uh, because the, the, the concept is have these microcells. So this, this access point covers these small number of seats. When you want to do location, you want to see as many access points as possible, or you want as many access points as possible to see you. And that's kind of you know, the opposite of what the concept is for, for the data. So, um, yeah, so, so I went to Dom and, and Kirti and I said, you know, um, thank you for, you know, for the, for the check. Um, <laughs> we are excited to be here, uh, but none of this stuff works, uh, because of the Apple, um, changes and, and their response to me was, that's fine. Just, just figure it out. Like, let's, let's do, do whatever works. Let's make this customer Let's make this customer work. You know, like do, let's do what it takes. And I said, well, I know how to do that, um, but it's Bluetooth. It's not Wi-Fi. And you know, you guys, we don't do Bluetooth right now at Aruba. Um, they're like, well, make it happen, right? Um, and it was kind of an amazing process because I went on the internet and just bought these little, you know, little cheap boards. You know, cheap beacons. You can get cheap beacons from anyone. Um, and I started tinkering with them. And um, and I was like, oh, this, I played with it, and it was mostly actually Nick, my co-founder, Nick Farina. He he is like an engineering um, wizard. He can basically build anything in, in in a couple hours. And so he like put together a bunch of stuff real quickly, and we talked about it a lot. And we um, wrote a quick algorithm. He wrote, he wrote a quick algorithm, and um, and then we deployed it, and and we were like, holy crap, this works! Like not only did it work, but it, like worked really really well. And it took us like minutes to set up. Like it was so easy to set up and it worked incredibly well. And we were like, okay, this is like clearly the future. Like this, this first of all, this actually works. Um, like just out of the box, it just works. Um, and it worked really well. So um, so in, anyway, then we had, I set up a demo and I showed, I showed the, the customer and I showed Kirti and I showed uh, Dom and they were like, yeah, this is good, do, do whatever you gotta do. And and at that point, it was kind of amazing because, um, you know, as Meridian, we didn't have any resources. We couldn't really do anything. How, many uh, people, actually, how big were you when you were bought? Uh, about 15, 20 people, something like that. Right. Uh, but, like, building hardware was, like, no way. Like, I, no, no way, right? Um, we're software people. I don't know anything about hardware. I mean, I, I can solder stuff and whatever, but it's, like, not my thing. And ultimately, it feels like I'm going to have to go to China or something. Um, I don't know. So we, uh, that was one of the points when it was like, wow, this is amazing being within Aruba because, um, I showed Kirti and he was like, yeah, here, talk to this guy. He's the product project, project manager guy. And, um, we had beacons basically within like a very short window, like a couple months, we had like a physical product that was like a real thing. And oh, it was, cool. it was, it was kind of unbelievable. And, uh, within a couple months we were actually walking around Levi stadium deploying them. Um, and that sort of blew my mind, uh, that we could get some physical hardware so quickly. And the, did you start off with battery beacons or cause I know you've got USB beacons mm -hmm. in there now plugged into all those TV sets that they have everywhere. Yeah. So, um, the, the, we needed it to, it, it, part of the, the, the beauty, I guess, of the, um, of the of the design or of the technology was that we would with with the APs like I said you have the APs wherever the APs are um, and they tend to be designed for you know good data and if you use that design for location it, it it doesn't necessarily work so one of the beautiful things about Bluetooth was that it you could you could it's so low power that you could literally like put the beacons anywhere. And so you could use the design you could almost like do a custom design for every place that you went and and I, you say custom, and it makes it sound like it takes a lot of time. It like takes like seconds, um, but you you can kind of do this custom design because you just take this battery thing, you pull the tab, hold it next to the phone, it figures everything out about it. You stick it to the wall, and off you go. And um, and so we we started with the battery ones because that was sort of the that was part of the design of the of the overall solution. Um, you get battery powered beacons, and the battery powered beacons are able to um, uh, to last for many years um they're still over there chirping away and uh it's now been two years so um two and a half years now um and 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 so the the fact that it was battery power was actually i think a, a big part of the design of the solution where we ended up after that was i deployed 20 of them in the stadium and put them all up 
and it was it worked and I was like us this is fabulous. I just did it. I didn't have to talk to IT. I didn't have to do anything. I just stuck them to the wall and walked around and it worked. Uh, and then I talked to my team in Portland and I said, okay, um, this all works great, but I need to be able to do this one thing. I want to try a couple different power levels. And I said, okay, well, you, need, you need to push this new version. We got some new firmware here. Push this one to it. So I took my phone and I walked up to the first beacon and I connected, you know, clicked on it and clicked on upload firmware and hit save. And then you just sit there. And you literally just sit there and watch this little progress bar working its way across the screen. And it takes, like, a long time. I mean, it's great that I can upgrade them wirelessly, right? Um, but it takes a long time. And I was, at the time, estimating there would be, like, 5,000 beacons in this place. And I did the first one, and I was, like, the minute I hit save, I was, like, yeah, this isn't going to work at all. Like, this is not. <laughs> How many this, beacons this did you actually end up with? Uh, about 1,200, 1200, I would say, something like that. It, yeah. it varies, but, yeah, about 1,200. Um, and, yeah, so I was like, this is crazy, crazy, crazy. So then I went back to our AP team and said, hey, is there anything we can do about, about this? And they said, well, we have a USB port. And I was like, great, USB port. And so I bought, a, went again, went on Amazon and bought some USB, basically, uh, Bluetooth beacons and um, started testing them. And, uh, and then I started working with our AP team. And then, you know, obviously we had we ended up having these beacons manufactured. Um, but it was like, suddenly it was like, oh my gosh, the, the network is so critical here because when you have this many beacons deployed, not just like in one space, but like if you have them deployed, like we have a customer, um, we'll have a customer with, with some issue in wherever, Dubai, and I'll be able to go and look at all their beacons and say, oh, yeah, we haven't heard that one from, from that one in, in three days. I, I think probably it's the battery's dead or, or somebody stole it or whatever. And lo and behold, you go there and it's just it's gone, right? So um, the remote network management of them is so, like, <laughs> I can't tell you. Like, I Believe me, like, having walked the stadium, it's like, it's you don't want to do it more than once like it's yeah it's, and that's a stadium and then you know the similar problem if you're in like 20,000 fast food restaurants yeah. it may be a much shorter walk around that facility but there's a lot of them even if yeah. there's 100 of them or 50 of them then yeah, you've got to have someone's got to manage this who's going to manage it, it? Exactly. and I it's mean, like who's going to put their hand up and say i'll manage it well maybe we should get the people who are already managing stuff they're managing wi-fi and uh yeah yeah, and, and it's the same reason why you don't see every McDonald's going to Best Buy and sticking up a Lynx's router, right? Wow. It's like like you need something that's managed, right? You need something that's that's robust, and and if I need to, I can, uh, um, you know, I, I can I can tweak it remotely or whatever. So it's it's these beacons are are designed to be um, dumb, I guess. Uh, because you need the batteries to last for a long time. Um, and when you're doing location, especially, um, you're not chirping, you know, you're not chirping every couple of seconds. You're chirping like many times a second. So um, it's, it's a, you, you don't want to waste any battery. Um, and so you, you want them to be pretty dumb, um, generally speaking. But so the more intelligence you can push into the network or into the apps, apps um, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, having having a the managed like it became so obvious to me like on day one um, how important that was, and I was on some level I was like, oh, thank God we're you know thank God we're Aruba because we have the network right we can we can actually do this, um, and it was also I was also sort of a thank God moment because it was like okay now it makes sense like mm -hmm. we're we're you know Meridian exists inside of a network company makes a lot of it, it made sense. Initially, and then there was sort of this fuzzy period where it was like, well, we're not using the network at all. And then obviously, now we use the network very, very um, extensively. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I think... Um you know, the the Wi-Fi infrastructure vendors or solution providers, um, they have a really important role in this ecosystem. I mean, if, if beacons are to achieve their potential, then mainstream retailers are probably not going to buy from companies they've never heard of, but they probably have heard of HP. So um, maybe we should just do the last bit of the story, which was, so you've created a product in Aruba, you've got some beacons, you've figured out the relationship with the access point, and HP then comes and buys Aruba. So are you the, where does, because you've got essentially two businesses, it seems to me. You've got this Meridian app creation tool set, and you've got beacons, and they work seamlessly together. Um, but people might buy the beacons and not use Meridian, can they do that? Or if I'm buying your beacons, do I have to use Meridian? Uh, yeah, so our beacons are are like enterprise secure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't use our beacons. So it, it's a funny thing, right? You can buy the beacons and you can program them and you can like stick them out and now they just chirp, right? And you can use them, whatever. Um, but you won't, it, you can't really do anything with that right you won't be able to reprogram them like it's all it's all managed through the system Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you buy the beacons without the system they are kind of like kind of expensive paperweights i guess uh once you once you configure them obviously they they just keep chirping whatever they chirp and and that's fine um and you could technically use that but it's not really a solution Um, similarly we don't support third-party beacons in our system um, and the reason why we did that um, was because I can't tell you how many conversations I have about blue dot performance. Like everyone is constantly like, oh, well, you know, it's putting me over there and I'm actually over here. And it's like, okay, well, where are your beacons? And it's like, well, we only put in like three beacons. It's like, okay, we well, need more, more beacons. Um, and so um, we needed a beacon that had a really, um, that we could control basically. Yeah. Uh, very consistent, very, very consistent um, power, like, the RSSI was very consistent. Yep. Um, and also, um, we needed it to, the use case that we have of location required to begin to chirp like a ton. Um, and in order to do that, you needed a pretty big battery. So um, we, we kind of had some kind of, I guess, unique needs um, from our beacons. Um, so that's where why we ended up where we are. But it's kind of one, the, the beacons are not our... Um, like we're not in the, we're not in the we don't exist in the world to sell beacons. Like the beacons are kind of a means to an end. Yeah. Uh, we really want to sell a solution to solve whatever problem you have. Um, but just to be clear, so in in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beaker System, the book this podcast is uh, is related to, we kind of break up the stack. And so you've got the hardware, and you've got the fleet management piece. So part of Meridian is fleet management. Then you've got a great dashboard. You can have a map of the stadium or whatever, the, the, the restaurants, and you can keep track of where the beacons are. And then you have this ability to create applications either through APIs or actually through a kind of a, not exactly WYSIWYG, but pretty WYSIWYG uh, um, environment. Can I just buy the management piece uh, or do it, is it sort of one price and you get the app creation and the management or is it bundled together or is it separate so there's um sort of the, there's, there's sort of the cloud and then there's the beacons and the cloud manages the beacon so you buy the subscription to manage the for the cloud and the beacons and then if you want to have an app there's sort of two ways you can do that one is with the like you said WYSIWYG sort of app builder thing and that's literally just a drag and drop now you have an app um and you can create an app in a couple minutes um and you can start using it um and then we'll and and, and you can um, if you want to use that, then there's a, a service basically to, to use that and have this app builder 
tool, um, and you, you that's a sort of a different um, one-time fee, basically, for that. And then the other way is, is with the SDK, um, and there's no fee for that. Um, so you're only paying for the you're only paying for the um, uh, the, the subscription to the, the management cloud. Okay. And everything in the, man, the management cloud actually includes obviously the management of the beacons. There's a, a ton of, of really um, powerful analytics that are now in there. Um, we can actually tell you, you know, how many people are standing at the coffee machine two weeks ago at 9 a.m. Right. Um, but there's there, we're adding features where we can actually tell you how many people walked past your facility and how many people walked in, and then how many people, how many of those people clicked on a thing in your app, and then the, and then after that ended up at the cash register. Like I can tell you exactly those numbers. Um, it's all based on having the app, obviously. So I'm not going to be able to tell you, yeah, ten people walked in today, right? Because it's Bluetooth is a is a client technology. Um, but yeah, all that stuff is in this management cloud. So it's like everything on the editor is like, there's just, there's a ton of stuff in there and everything from management the beacons to actually building an app to, um, to analytics and foreign language support and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so you get, you buy that, obviously you buy the hardware beacons cause someone has to pay for those. Yeah. And then if you want to, you can also buy the app maker thing where you just have an app or you can just use it all and use the SDK and it doesn't cost anything. Okay, and so the SDK enables management features, um, and it sounds like you can use it within an application as well. But these beacons, you support iBeacon as a standard, do you not? Yes, we do, yeah. And do you support uh, any of the Google Eddystone uh, frame types? Um, we don't today, um, primarily because there wasn't a reason to um, with, with what we do, basically. Um, but moving forward, we see the nearby API as being um, a, a meaningful, important um, API. So um, we'll support it going forward. And again, this is one of the beautiful things is that like we'll support it, and like you probably won't have to do anything. It'll just like start working because it's all managed, right? So um, it, your beacons are talking to the APs, they're talking to the cloud, and our cloud basically manages all the versions of everything. So um, yeah, when Eddie Stone, when 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 we get that finished, um, you, you, it'll probably be a thing where you say, yeah, I'll upgrade my things to support that version, and then it'll just kind of happen. Um, and new features within Eddystone, everything else, we just it just kind of all just gets pulled down for you. And so if I want to kind of control who can see the beacons, then that would probably be a future thing, future roadmap thing through Eddystone EID, or can I do that today with your SDK? When you would mean we... So we, sort of... Uh, if this is generic iBeacon, then anyone can see the iBeacon. You don't do any kind of obfuscation, rotation of the UUID or anything to control who can see the beacon yeah. today. Um, yeah. So I'm just wondering in the future, so there's Eddystone's kind of several things, isn't it? There's the UID, which is their iBeacon. There's EID, which is where they... Uh, implement some conditional access and then there's physical web. Are you going to be supporting all of those or just one of those? Um, we will support, um, so we have specific use cases that we have in mind with the technology and most of them are around, you know, user, user using an application. So we'll support the ones that we find useful, I guess. Um, like for example, they have the whole management frame. Yes. You know, we don't really need that, right? Because we right. have, we have the access point sitting there managing it. Um, so yeah, so that, that one, we, there's not a reason for us to support it. Um, uh, so we, we basically will do, we have a specific use case. We're not, you know, like we, we don't really fancy ourselves as, as, um, like we're not like, we, we're not trying to like, if you have a handful of things and you want to like play with stuff and you want to experiment and tinker, um, then we're probably not the right choice for you, right? Um, what we're focused on are those sort of, you know, entire, you know, giant corporations or stadiums or hospitals, or whatever. They, like they need something, or, or they've played with something and now they're ready to actually deploy something. I mean, I just talked to a customer last week who has been playing with beacons for like a year now, and they're like, yeah, this works. But our marketing team who was playing with them deployed like 500 of them, and then they. Then they came to us and said, we can't, this isn't, we don't know how to, what do we do with this? Like, will you do, take this over for us? And then the IT basically reached out to us and we're like, 
marketing wants to do this thing. They started doing something, and it's like, un, like we can't. This doesn't. It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. Um, so those are the people we're we're focused on, um, and so we have specific stuff that we need to support and stuff that we we don't. Um, so that's so sort if of I'm a large company and I want to go with a trusted brand who can do the management, provide the ability to create the applications either through the WYSIWYG or the SDK, then I would come to you. If I'm just a hobbyist that wants to play with some beacons, maybe I should uh, I should do something else. Um, yeah, I mean, it, like, yeah, I mean, ours is, ours, ours, you, you, you can't, you, you can buy a pack of five beacons, and, but you, unless you have the service, you can't really do anything with it. It's, it's actually surprisingly inexpensive, um, our salute's overall service. Um, I kind of wonder about that, honestly, but, uh, but it's, uh, uh, but yeah, if you're, if you're just, you know, you and you want to set up your house with five beacons or whatever, yeah, then we're not. So what? Uh, so can you talk a little bit about the customers? Or actually, before we'll talk about the customers in a minute. There's just one thing I had to ask you. So your your company was founded in Portland, uh, Oregon, mm-hmm. and I was looking at your offices were like 725 Flanders. That's, that's yeah. the address. I used to live at 725 Flanders in in Portland. So was that like an apartment? You know, it's interesting. Like I, I don't know when did you when did you live there. Oh, uh, like a long time ago. This was yeah. like 15, 15 years ago, something like that. Well, we moved into there actually in 2006, 2005, something like that. Um, but it was not my, um, it was not my apartment. Uh, it was our office. Um, and the building is actually kind of surprisingly mixed. Um, yeah. Like there were a number of web development firms um, in the building. It is condos. I mean, they're all condos, but yeah. um, when you're, you know, five people, it's kind of the perfect space. Oh, it's one of the f- most best places I lived. It's like Pearl District by the park. You could go up on the roof and get this amazing view of Portland, and th- it was just this huge open space. It was like the best. Then we then we had pets and kids, and so we moved into suburbia. But anyway, okay. Yeah, so it was, it was our office. I, I lived... Um, I think at the time I lived on the east side, Belmont area. Oh, um, but, but yeah, it's it a good, good office. There were some days that I slept there. So, oh, you know. <laughs> terrible soundproofing. That was one of the things I do remember. It's like joining a commune. You could hear everything that's going on. Yeah. yeah let's let's get back to your customers. So who, uh, what, who, who's using HP's solution? Um, so uh, let's see here. Um, Levi Stadium. Um, the Intrepid Museum in New York, uh, Orlando International Airport. Um, who else? I think I have a list somewhere. Uh, yeah, American Museum of Natural History. Warren uh, Buffett's uh, retailer. Uh, the, what's that? The Warren Buffett's Furniture Yeah, the Nebraska Furniture Mart. Um, Lincoln Center, the CN Tower in Canada. Uh, Rio Airport, actually, for the Olympics. That one's oh, pretty cool. Um, um, what else? Uh, Houston Airport. Um, yeah, I mean, the... It's kind of a there's there's places all over the world. Um, there, there, it, it's it's uh, lots of verticals. Um, we're focused primarily on on sort of big places, right? So not um, not either either big places or places with lots of branches, right? Yeah. Um, so you're yeah. HP. You're going to be focused on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it is. We. I mean, it is. It is a little odd being being <laughs> HP, right? Because we are. Um, I think that I honestly think the weirdest thing about being HP is how much, um, how, how much, so I'm very involved in the, in the sort of day to day with, you know, helping, helping sales and help you know, supporting the field. Um, but the field is like huge. So, you know, they're out doing stuff all day long and like there's deals coming in left and right. And I don't even know that they're deals. You know what I mean? Like. I just got one the other day in Asia. I was like, "What? What is this? I don't. Even, I didn't even know this one was going on. It's like a big deal." So well, I think it's great for our ecosystem because you know I, I was, and I want to get your sense of where we are in terms of the development of it and what is required because we don't have much time. We just got uh, five minutes left. Um, so, uh, but I do think that the fact that all of the Wi-Fi infrastructure players have an offering now, to not, not necessarily all at the same level, but they've all got something in the beacon space. That is what the conservative early majority, they want to see it. Mm-hmm. Unless 
unless they're buying from a company that your mother knows the name of, then this ecosystem isn't going to take off. It's because uh, people are risk averse. So the fact that HP's in the game is fantastic for all of us guys that work in small consulting businesses and uh, de or developing software because it validates the market. So thanks for doing that. Appreciate it. Um, uh, where do you think this market is in terms of its maturity, and what you know? What are your predictions in terms of what it's going to take for this to move forward? So I've had a lot of conversations in recent months, I guess, um, with customers like the one I just described, um, who had a marketing team that was going and doing something, um, and it was always going to be. It, it was never going to be a thing until it got officially. Managed, I guess. Officially, some, somebody officially stepped in and said, "Okay, this is a thing we're gonna we're gonna do." Um, and so, yeah, like I said, their IT team reached out to us and said, "How do we like? We need to like we can't we can't I can't fly to somebody to all these different places to to deal with this stuff." Um, so, what we're I, I think that um, you know we are where we are uh, not because it was um, you know we we didn't make a we didn't like put our finger in the air and be like, you know what, Bluetooth, let's do that, right? It was like, this was the thing that worked, right? This was the thing that worked, it was cost effective, um, and and it was pretty straightforward um, compared to what we had been doing historically. So um, if you wanna do this, um, like this is kind of the, the way to do it. Like this is kind of what we've learned over, at this point, 20 years of, of fighting this, um, you know, to try and make this happen. Um, we've learned that this is what works, and and, and it's really exciting for me because, um, you know, when we when I was setting up these network based location things, it was like, I mean, I, I remember I spent like two weeks in Atlanta at a at a um, corporate office trying to wire everything together so that the apps in New York could get back to the network and get the data. And it was like a ton of work. And I, I was thinking to myself, like, no one's going to do this. Like I'll do this, but no one's like, it's just too, and the benefits are not big enough. Right. Um, and now it's, and, and, and when I say the benefits, the benefits are definitely there from a business case, but like the benefits in terms of like the accuracy was not great enough. So the, the use cases that you could solve were very limited. Like I could do, you know, you're on the first floor, you're on the second floor, you're in this department of the store. Um, and the, there's definitely benefit there, but it's, it's a limited use case. Um, with this, you, we finally have this sort of level of, I guess, accuracy um, for cost. Like the cost-benefit ratio is now such that um, it makes sense. Um, and, uh, and it's only really happened very recently. Like I said, um, you know, even if you, if you just stick up a bunch of beacons everywhere, um, you you kind of run into that cost cost value issue again, right? Because now you got to manage these things, and it's pretty can be a, a nightmare. Um, so so I, I think that um, I, I you know everyone's driving this way. Um, I know all the analysts, um, you know the, the Gartners and those guys who are all they're all they all sort of have seen that this is where things are going from a location perspective. Um, obviously, um, you know all the big all the big players are have seen the same thing, and they're all doing it. Um, obviously, the handsets are really where it all starts, um, and you know Apple and Google are basically all, all in on that. Um, so it's you know it's 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 uh, it's funny because it feels like we've been here forever, but it's um, I think we're now at a point where things are mature enough and stable enough um, to where these marketing projects can now start to become real things. Um, that are, um, you know, and, and it, it, there's a lot of companies that have been doing marketing projects for a couple of years now, um, and they're all starting to convert over to like real things. Um, and, and the people who have done it now, like the Levi Stadium uh, people, you know, they they have seen literally millions of dollars in, in improvements from having this. So it's kind of like, yeah, we we have like not doing it is 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 foolish. If you're in the experience business, then you got to do this. It's just yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, and like I said, it's not just a. It, it's be it's moved beyond like cool to now like, like I said, like they're literally making millions of dollars. Like it's it's not it's cool, obviously, but it's it's like it's impacting their bottom line. 
that's a great uh, note to end on. And I, it's funny, I, I, I was actually asked the question, I was being interviewed before I interviewed you, and I was asked, where are we in the market? And I said, well, I think we're at the end of the beginning. I think that's kind of where we are. It's, yeah, I would agree with that, yeah. yeah. So um, wonderful to get a chance to, to talk with you, uh, Kayo, and I, I, I really appreciate your time. And congratulations on what you've done in bringing beacons to HP and bringing beacons to uh, a great stadium. I've used the app uh, when we had the Bluetooth. I was moderating a panel at the Bluetooth event that was at uh, Levi Stadium. And so I actually got a chance to use the app. And it's a great app. So uh, when you've got great companies that are delivering a quality service with a user experience and people are making money from it, then I think that can only be good for, for the ecosystem. Yeah, I agree. So uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. I I really don't have an answer for the uh, Mars music oh playlist. no oh i um yeah it I, takes I don't some know. thinking i have to say it's a tough one so are you familiar with desert island discs on the bbc with uh, what it's a it's a bbc show called desert island discs it's a radio okay, show yeah. it's been going for like 70 years and okay. you have to choose these seven discs that you would take to a desert island and it's just a great show yeah i yeah i don't um I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I was <laughs> I was reading the questions actually, and I was thinking to myself. I was thinking, you know, if 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 the technology that is getting me to Mars is only capable of holding three songs, I don't think <laughs> I want to go on that trip. <laughs> well, the scenario—it's a little bit of a stretch, but the scenario is you didn't have any songs, and there's like bandwidth to Mars is just like very, very valuable and constrained, and so that's why it's. A, but really, it's just we don't have time to go through more than three. And it has to be limited, otherwise you couldn't have a show. So the premise is a limited number of songs. And what are the... But, so are you just not a musical person? or No, I, I, um, I just kind of... I mean, like the song that I have been listening to by far the most recently is the Alphabet Song. <laughs> <laughs> the Alphabet Song? <laughs> like my... It's, you know, it's funny because... So I have a two-year-old, and he is constantly like, I want to hear the alphabet song. And so I'm like, okay. So, you know, I push the button and say, play the alphabet song, and then the alphabet song plays. And it's funny, because my wife and I were talking about this the other day, and it was like, she, she was like, oh, he just wants to hear this song so much. And, and you know, for him, it's just a song, you know? Like, it's just another song, and it's just a song that he knows all the words to, you know? So it's like, this is a good song for him. And... uh and so that is the song that, far and away, I've listened to more often in the last year than any other song. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's more like uh, I like it as sort of ambient noise, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't know. I, I'm not a person who goes to concerts. I don't, I, I don't know. It's just not a thing for me. So. <laughs> well, I, you know, my kids have grown up a little bit. They're 13 and 16, but I still have that genre of music on iTunes. I mean, you don't kind of throw it away. And so I plug in my uh, iPhone to the car and I still get the equivalent of the ABC song. So yeah. you're stuck well, with it for the rest of your life, unfortunately. I, the, the, the place where that comes in right now for me is like, you know, in my iTunes library is, is Christmas songs. Because like I have all the Christmas songs for Christmas time and then like I don't know. It's too much trouble to take them all out. So whenever I just say play my music or whatever, every like third song is a Christmas song and I have to like skip it, skip it, skip it. Uh, that would be my equivalent right now. Um, so what's the last concert that you've been to? Uh, the last concert I went to was Fly to the Concords, actually. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so They're just uh, the best. Yeah, so that was, that was quite good. And then before that, um, I think it's probably been... It's probably been 15 years since I went to a concert. It's like, I think I went to see, what did I see? Uh, I saw Ben Folds back in like 2001. <laughs> that may have been the last time I went to a concert. I'm trying to okay. think. 
Well, this is this is good. This is good. So I think we've had our warm up conversation about music, and I'm, I'm assuming so. You've got a two year old, so going to Mars is going to be pretty tough for you. So uh, yeah, no, it's not a thing that I'm interested in doing at all right no. now. Okay, well, we won't send you, and so the, <laughs> the question is mute. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.